Welcome podcast listeners, we're back again this week with another episode where we sit down with Coach Rob, it was a pretty brief one this time, we touch on the biggest mistakes um, Coach Rob sees people make at a multi-day event at something like Loretta Lynn's where he's just been a couple of weeks ago, so we touch on that which, which takes us I guess down the path and the topic of race day nutrition and where supplements play a role when it comes to our race day and 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 our training nutrition plan. So that kind of spawned an, an idea just whilst we were chatting on the podcast that the idea for our next podcast that we're going to record in a few weeks will take a deep dive into nutrition and hydration, both pre, during, and post-race, specifically for a three or more hour off-road event. So if you've got any questions that you would like answered around that topic shoot them through on either a dm or get onto my email address and we'll make sure we get them answered on the next podcast otherwise get stuck into this one and we'll see you all on the other side okay we've got coach rob back on the podcast today how are you brother hey i'm doing good good morning to you how you been i'm good thank you how are things treating you over there you know um with the ridiculousness of COVID here the same way it is with you guys we're all just trying to survive at least we get to go do some outdoor nationals and do some racing and at least we got a chance to get Loretta's in this year so um, things are turning around we'll leave it at that but things are (laughs) things are turning around so hopefully this nonsense comes to a close pretty soon yeah I'm with you there like I'd have to be honest I'm a little bit envious of you guys getting to go racing over there (laughs) (laughs) well just just remember there's a lot of politics behind the scenes on why we get to go racing so we'll we'll just leave it at that people can read in between the lines but there's uh there's a lot going on that people aren't aware of for sure yeah yeah well at least we get to watch it that's one thing we can watch the race no i'm just thankful we're going racing i'm with you 100 percent. yeah so i thought that might be a good little topic to start on you've just been to loretta's a few weeks ago okay so I thought maybe you could give us just a quick, maybe your point of view on what what's like the most common mistakes you see there. Because I I guess over there it's a it's obviously a big deal. Loretta's like people sure. put a lot of a hell of a lot of effort into it. Yes. Um, so what are the what are the, some of the most common things you see that people sort of come undone with over the course of the week? I don't want to answer the question with a, an ambiguous answer, but it's pretty broad spectrum. First and foremost, they don't have a nutrition and a hydration strategy, which seems kind of crazy at the beginning of the conversation, but you got to remember, you've got to, some people will pull in one, two to, you know, 10, 15 days ahead of the race because practice starts on Monday and then racing is Tuesday through Saturday. What we see happening a lot of times is there's no nutrition strategy. So they don't know what to eat when. They don't know how to maintain proper hydration levels, even though it's hot and it's humid and there's a lot of racing going on every day. A lot of people don't have a warm-up program. You got to think about Loretta's is different because there's a big pre-staging. It takes about an hour and a half to get from pre-staging into the actual gate itself. Uh, People don't have a pre-race routine. They're sitting in the middle. It still blows my mind. They're sitting in the sun without an umbrella. They have no fan on them. They're completely covered in gear. Some of them are sitting with their helmet on. Um, The other thing that we see a lot of times is they have no pre-race routine. 
It's like if you filmed them at Moto 1, 2, and 3, they're doing something different every time. So it always blows my mind how we know Loretta's is going to be essentially the first week in August. We know it's a three-moto format. We know it's spread out over five days. But yet you see people rolling in there, and it's like they have no strategy. They have no plan. They have nothing to execute. Now, that takes it to the side that's going to be a little bit more obvious to your listeners, and that is the qualifiers are all three- and four-lap sprints. So let's be optimistic. Let's say you get a track that's a minute and a half to two minutes long. Well, you're talking six to eight minutes of racing all the way up through qualifying because we go through areas and then we go through regionals. Now all of a sudden they got to be ready to go three 20 minute motos. You and I talked about this on the podcast that we shot together. People don't realize it takes six months to build an aerobic engine. It takes six months to rebuild the skin, the muscles and the tissue in the body. It takes six months to build a strength base. So these poor athletes are like, go, 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 go from let's say Minio's in November through a qualifier in June. And then they've got essentially three to four weeks to build an aerobic base to go three 20-minute motos. Mm. You see how screwed these kids are right off the bat? And I would say when you look at the first answer, it's all those little pieces that have to factor into the bigger. And the bigger is you've got to race three 20-minute motos. But you just trained yourself for literally eight months to do nothing but sprint eight minutes long. And, and I don't want anybody to sound like I'm being or feel like I'm being cynical. Go look at the, t- the lap times. You'll see the top guys start out really, really quick, i.e. sprint speed, get around a lap three, four, five, and all of a sudden they slow down three to five seconds a lap. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's trouble. So that's what I see as the biggest is when you recognize what you need to do in August and then you start training for it at the end of June, beginning of July. It's too late. Yeah, you and I talked yeah. about this off the record. People don't look at periodization the right way. What do you want to do six months from now? Now, obviously, let's just assume COVID and its stupidity doesn't exist. Okay. But you pretty much know when your races are. You know the characteristics, duration, temperature, characteristics. Is it real rough, real sandy? Is it high speed? Is it technical? You got to be ready for all of that. But that's where you come in as a performance coach. I think you're one of the most important assets Australia has. You're able to say, okay, here's where you are. Here's where you want to be. And here's what stands in between where you're at and where you want to be specifically to your race itself. Mm. You know, just look at the videos that you put out there, you know, doing like, I love the one that you did like on a good morning or a deadlift and getting stabilized first. Well, what is that doing? It's minimizing the risk of injury. And you and I have said it on every podcast we've done together. The only two things that will keep you from succeeding and improving is what? An injury or an illness. That's why I hope everybody realizes you're there to make sure the form is good so they don't hurt themselves. Oh, by the way, let's get stronger. And I love the flexibility because strength without flexibility is useless. And that, I love the, the fact that you preach that over and over again. And I hope people take that seriously. Yeah, it is. It's a super important part. Like you say, I get. I guess people probably don't think long term enough when they do. When you think from that periodization perspective, they don't. Yeah. They don't. I guess put in that foundational work. Absolutely. And I want anybody who's listening to the podcast to understand that's your expertise. I'm not here to. I'm not trying to hear to blow smoke up your skirt. I just want the listeners to understand when we're talking about the science of performance. 
there's things like periodization, preseason, pre-competitive, competitive, off-season, looking at work to rest ratio, excuse me, work to rest ratios. There's a right and a wrong way to do that. Understanding that that finite ratio between duration, intensity, and frequency. They don't, I want the listeners to understand that when you're writing their schedules, you're doing all that math, you're doing all that science, you're doing all that deductive reasoning for whatever nominal fee you're charging. Is that not worth get, waking up in the morning and looking at your schedule and knowing exactly what to do, understanding that the science behind it's already been applied? I mean, I know that our podcast isn't about trying to sell your services, but I want people to change their perspective just a smidgen. You know, you're sitting in there doing your schedules, looking at their performance results. You're looking at their true coach files. You're looking at their videos they send in. You're looking at what you projected versus what they did. And you're constantly making that those little small minute adjustments, how much load, how much volume, what kind of frequency, what kind of work rest ratios. Man, I don't know about you, but when I was a young athlete, I would have paid anything for that. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm just glad that you're making it available. So good job to you. Seriously. You're doing a great job with it. Yeah. Thank you. I thank you for that. Um, it's, I guess you're right. It's, it's something I spoke to some of my clients about this week. I've had a few new clients come on board and, and just trying to educate them on that process of the, the different volumes and frequencies of intensity. Cause it's logically thinking you think, okay, I've got to get on my bike and hold the thing pinned for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or three hours or whatever it is. Sure. So that's what I've got to do every time I train. Like you to so trying to educate them on that process is can be challenging at the start and but that's why it's such an important part is is giving them the why behind it so then they can apply it at first there's a little bit of oh when i say a little a lot of trust there that they put in you but after like the first six or eight week block of training they complete and they can actually see their results go up and they haven't actually done that much high intensity training they've done a lot a lot more low intensity but then they get better they're like boom okay I'm, I'm all in on this. Like, yes. Well, you're, I'm going to kind of change your perspective a little bit to the listener. A lot of what you recommend has got to be done in blind faith. And then you'll explain the theories before it becomes a reality so that once they manifest it and experience it, they look back and have that aha moment to go, Oh, this is what Ben was talking about. Yeah. But it does. It takes a huge leap of faith to say, okay, I, hey, let's look at it this way. What I was doing before clearly wasn't, isn't working. So you can continue to do the same thing and expect a different result. That's insanity. However, what I like about it is the fact that you'll explain the why. And I want the listeners to think about this. If you don't know how to speak a fluent language, German, French, whatever it may be, why is that? You simply haven't been taught that. So that's what I want people to think about from a performance coach standpoint. You're asking me, what do I see at Loretta's that's a frustration? The frustration is a parent comes to me and they're absolutely irate. We spend $50,000 a year to be at a facility. Facility fees, motorhome parking, all the expenses that go with it. And then my rider shows up to the most important race of the year. They have no hydration strategy, no warm-up strategy, no recovery strategy, no mental headspace to deal with competition at the elite level but yet they've just spent 50,000 just on the facility not bikes and food and all the other new you know the 
variable costs that go with it. When they could pay somebody like yourself that can decipher that information, now granted, there is a trust that has to be built. That's never been a problem of yours. If you want to know the reason why, grab a cold beer, sit down, and let's talk about it. You know, you've never shied away from being willing to explain it. And when your question comes out about what's the frustration at Loretta's, it's parents that thought, and I say this respectfully, thought they were paying for a facility that had their riders' best interest and it was going to result in a championship result. Well, what you ended up with was somebody that just got put into a puppy mill with 30 or 40, 50 other riders and your son or daughter is somewhere in the middle of it. That's okay. That's all we care about. We're a facility. We just need numbers yeah. where what you're about is you're very small. You're very results oriented. You're very data driven. And again, anybody who's listening, we, we, you, I, we understand we're not everybody's cup of tea. Some people think we're too analytical. That's cool. Go back to doing your general training, getting your haphazard results. I'm cool with that. But if you want to see that incremental improvement, You've done a great job. You have resources available so every one of your clients can see their improvement. Hey, they're the ones that are putting up the numbers. I mean, they're sitting there with their phone putting in clean and jerk, deadlift, whatever you're, you've got them doing, you know, doing five, 10 by 500, one minute rest on the rower. They're plugging in the numbers. I mean, unless they're lying, they're lying to themselves. Yeah. But when they see that incremental improvement, how do we get there? Just following what Ben had outlined. So that's the frustration I see at Loretta's is people don't have a complete program. You know, they've been taught how to corner. Okay, great. But the problem is if you have, if you have low blood sugar, your cornering skills are always going to be slow. You've been taught how to corner, but you've got inflexibility in your quad to hamstring ratio. So you can't keep your boot, you know, two and a half kilos heavy. You can't keep it out of the deep ruts because your hamstring is in a power struggle against your quads. But you can you can deadlift nine thousand pounds. So, you your your hips are such a, a a muscular bound mess. That's why you can't corner the way you're supposed to. I want everybody who's listening to the podcast go back onto YouTube. Watch the racing. Watch the left hand turn before the mechanics area. It is the easiest corner on the track. It gets like two meters deep. All you've got to do, I mean, all you got to do is get your tire in the rut and you grab a handful of throttle. It, it's like being on a monorail. You're coming around the corner. Watch how many people tip over in that corner. And it's always the second half of the race. Well, what do you and I know it as? Low blood sugar. But yet they're like, oh, we got to buy faster motor. We got to get stiffer suspension. No, you need to just freaking eat is what you need to do. Oh, wait, that's right. You got to have a hydration strategy. You got to have a nutrition strategy. You know, it, and we could talk about that for days on end. I just hear the frustrations where the parents, you know, they'll see the Moto E shirt, they'll come over and they're like, hey, I was at facility XYZ and our rider sucks. That was exactly what I was told again this year. I don't know what to tell you, man. You didn't get those little reports that show that your son or daughter has a mental program, a nutrition program, a hydration program, a warm up program. It's just, that's where you come in, you know, whether they're doing HADA or whatever they're doing, you know, could be state titles. Yeah. 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 So I, I hope people understand when you ask me, what's the biggest <clears throat> frustration at Loretta's it's not having a process in the system. And 
when you, I, I know that you believe this, so I don't want the listeners to take it out of context. The way that you test them should emulate the way that they train and the way that they're, they're racing should emulate the way that they're tested. And as soon as there's a disjoint between those, your results are always going to suffer. So when you create their testing protocols, people need to understand you're a rider. You're an elite level rider yourself who happens to be a physiologist. Well, I mean, my goodness, talking about the quickest learning curve. I mean, it's, it's the shortest, you know, shortest point between where you're at and success. And again, I don't want the listeners to think I'm trying to blow smoke up your skirt. When you ask me what's the frustration at Loretta's, it's not having a process in a system, whether it's in any one of those slivers of categories. I had people that didn't even know how to pace themselves. So they did the old dreaded, went out, hammered three laps, and then just threw anchor because there's no way they could ever handle that intensity. And the way that yeah, we validated yeah. it was we looked at their average and max heart rate in training and compared their average and max heart rate in racing, and the gap was enormous. You would never allow that to happen, but you would correct them in training to make sure that they're ready for the race. So yeah, that yeah. would be the number one frustration I heard at, at the red is uh, for the 13th year. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want that to sound sarcastic, but what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. So, exactly right. Yeah, absolutely. So that's probably a bit of a good segue. I thought we could maybe touch on on supplementation today okay that's I, I guess it's probably another one of the most common questions i get from people is which supplement should i take when should i take them etc cetera, etc cetera. so obviously they play a part in when we talk about like an event like loretta's or, or any race we go to we we want to have that new our nutrition dialed in yeah. so obviously supplements are going to play a, a role there but where do you see that that supplements sort of fit into that nutrition profile? Well, I want to go on the record for somebody that may be hearing us for the first time that I own my own supplement business. Um, and I've had a supplement business for about 12 years. The catalyst for that was trying to find products that were of high quality and actually did what they say they're going to do. It's what we call the efficacy of the product. I have a personal problem with supplements that say, I'm just going to pull something out of left field. Let's say creatine. If you say that the creatine monohydrate is pharmaceutical grade, and then you go and you get a, a testing sample of that, and you find out that it only has 12% creatine in it, that sucks. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm very big on supplementation on one key note. Are you getting enough quality and quantity in your everyday food from sunrise to sunset? Now, this gets complicated, but I hope the listeners will hang in there with us. You and I both advocate the use of a heart rate monitor, really managing intensity. So what I do, I'm a big fan of the Garmin platform. I don't, I'm not an ambassador. I don't get a financial kickback. I've got three Garmin watches that are sitting right beside me right now that I can show you the receipt for all of them. I bought one for Michaela for Christmas. Okay. So I don't want the listeners to think I'm slanted. What I love about the watch is it will show you what your caloric burn is. And this is where you're going to see the answer to your supplementation question. If you're eating fruits, vegetables, and lean protein, and you're snacking every couple hours, and you recognize that your watch is showing you on your dashboard of Garmin that you're burning 4,000 calories. Okay, what do you guys refer to it as? We refer to it as calories. Is it 
Um, yeah, calories. Yeah, that's calories. Okay. Yeah, because I know some of your labels they do it in ki- kilograms. Kilojoules is the other one. Kilojoules. Yeah, but Thank we you. we always go calories. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So when you recognize that you're burning five, six, seven hundred calories in a twenty or a thirty minute session, and you add that up both what you need for life called your basal cal- basal caloric needs, and then you add your athletic needs. If there's a gap in that calories, you know, you're eating all the fruits and the vegetables and you're eating all the lean protein and you're eating every couple hours. The good news is the quality of nutrients are there, but the density of calories are not. Well, if you're sitting there with a 2,500 calorie deficit of what you've burnt versus what you're taking in, there is the exclusive role for supplementation. I don't want to insult any listener's intelligence, but that's why it's called supplementation, not meal replacement not food replacement, never. Like for example, I'm very anal. When you order our products, I'm always asking you, what does your normal food look like? I'm not in the business of peddling supplements. I have supplements there because A, they're pharmaceutical grade, they're the highest quality, they're the most expensive on the market. But I can promise you when you make a smoothie out of our whey protein or our plant-based protein, I guarantee you the amino acid profile is going to be exactly what the label says. We have three different testing companies that randomly take samples. I'm very big on, I want you to get exactly what you're paying for. So when you ask me, where does supplementation come in? When there's a gap between real food eating and the calorie burn, and you're struggling to bridge that last 1500 to 2000 calories or micronutrients. What we ask our athletes to do is every three months, maybe four, is try to get blood work done. Because think about it, if you're out of range, let's say that your uh, vitamin B6 and B12 are down, those are your energy vitamins. Well, if we look at what you're eating and we look at your blood results and there's a gap, there's only three reasons why there would be a gap. Either A, you're not eating enough of where the the B6 and B12 come from, number two, you're burning it faster than you can get it in. That creates a gap or you're not absorbing what you're eating. So there's three separate things that you have to pay attention to. Now, when I look at your food logs and then I look at your training logs and I bounce that against your blood results, for some of the listeners, they may go, oh man, that is a lot of info. It's really not. You have my fitness pal that takes about 30 seconds to update every, every day. Yeah, You have your heart rate monitor. All you got to do is turn on your activity and go get your blood work every three to four months. Now, anybody who's listening, and Ben, I'm happy to send it to you. Um, We work with a doctor here in in Central Florida. He's given me a full list of everything that he looks for, inflammatory indicators. He looks for all kinds of things that are both health and performance related. And I'm happy to send it to you. Why? Because if someone's going to get their blood work done, ask for these attributes to be evaluated yeah for because sure. for you as a human performance coach what are you able to do recommend whether supplementation is necessary that that's the bottom line it's, it's kind of like you and i you and i've talked about this both on the podcast and off the record where is coach accountability come in if you and i smoke an athlete because we overtrain them i think we should be held accountable well, same thing applies. If an athlete doesn't understand the role of supplementation, 
after understanding the role of food quality and quantity and understanding how to interpret their activity on their watch Garmin dashboard, that's our job. That's how we go and we cross validate that you're either over training or under training. It's our job to keep them in that sweet spot, but we want yeah. the athletes to understand you've got to feed it and you've got to rest it enough to be able to absorb what we do. That's where supplementation comes in because supplementation can drive the one that I, I've, I've just found that there's just a tremendous void is MCT medium chain triglycerides, fish oil, krill oil, you know, Anything that's going to get that high quality fat up, your body's either going to use it or lose it. But what does MCT do for our listeners? Does it for everybody, but particularly our listeners, it feeds the adrenals that are getting overworked personally, yeah. professionally, and athletically. So supplementation is a very sensitive subject because it's not regulated. You know, so there's a lot of crap. There's a lot of BS. There's a lot of bait and switch that goes on. But I always say it this way, you get what you pay for. But also, even on your high quality or extremely expensive supplements, do some due diligence. You know, especially with the internet nowadays, you can go out there and start a forum. Hey, I was thinking about doing this particular, using this particular product by this manufacturer. What do you know about it? You know, it's kind of like your and I's reputation. Yeah. I have no problem. I'll give you a list of 100 references. And I'll give you a list of references of people I'm not even working with anymore. Why did they discontinue? They got pregnant, they changed jobs, they got out of sport. You know, maybe they feel like they know it all in a good way. I mean, they really feel empowered, like they can do it on their own. Then you and I have done our job. We, we said this in the last podcast. Our job is not to get people dependent on us. It's to empower them with knowledge and how to interpret the, the results and the data that they're gathering, especially yeah. with this bad boy. These Garmin watches are phenomenal. Strain score, calorie in and out, what you're, you know, if you want to look at the average and max heart rate, you can, I mean, there's just a plethora. I mean, look at it. It's there's, there's a hundred different reports that you can get off of that. So that's where I feel with supplementation. You know, it's, they're, they're a necessary evil because a lot of us are just too busy. And we've talked about this. If an extra large egg only has 75 calories and you eat four of them, I mean, that's a, that's a plethora of eggs on your plate. Yeah. But you're talking 300 calories. Yeah. For somebody that's got to eat 3,000, they're yeah. like, where in the world? You know, because I'm not hungry until noon after I've eaten at it at 6 a.m. because the protein and the fat fill us up. Those are the only two macronutrients that satisfies appetite. But you can imagine when you're saying, look, you need 6,000 calories, 3,000 calories. They're like, but I'm already full. I don't want to eat anymore. Well, <laughs> you got to look at burn rate versus food taken in and try to bridge that gap to reduce the strain on the body. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a great point you make because I think that it's an easy trap to fall into when you clean your nutrition up and start eating yeah. sort of more real foods that, like you say, that the micronutrient value goes up, which is awesome. We want that. But the, yep. in a lot of cases, the, the calorie or the, the macro component actually becomes a little bit lower. Yeah. So, and it's, and anyone who's, who's actually, I guess, tracked their calories and, and figured it out, like, three to 4,000 calories of real food is a shitload of food. Like. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's hard to get that much real food in, especially if you're going to be out riding a bike for two or three hours and, and training right. around that. If you sat on the couch watching Netflix, maybe it might be a bit easier, but to fit yeah. that real, that amount of real food in around your training 
and, and digest it, etc. It's actually pretty challenging. So like you say, that's, that's what I tell my clients. If, if you've got that foundation of 3,000 to 3,500 of real food calories yes. and you need to top it up with some supplements or, or something that's of simpler calories, then you're going to be all good as so long as you've got that foundation right in real food. Absolutely. Uh, for any of the listeners that followed Loretta's, you know, I have Logan Best and, and we race against Hayden Deegan. And for yeah. the last year, what we've been focusing on is getting Logan confident mentally and physically capable. And I don't mind sharing this. I have his permission, by the way, is we wanted to push the pace at Loretta's. Okay. The year before we were like in a fifth, sixth, eighth kind of a position, we got a whole shot. And we went backwards to fifth or sixth. We just didn't have the fitness. We didn't have the, the athletic maturity. We didn't have the race craft. So that's all we worked on this year. Starts, race craft, and we wanted to push the pace. And we did. We went around them. We put ourselves down, but we were able to get around them. Okay. The reason why I bring that up is just as a, as a basis of reference. When Logan downloaded his heart rate data and we looked at his calorie burn in a 20-minute moto at Loretta's, obviously we had six motos. He burnt between 550 and 650 calories in a 20-minute moto. Yeah. I want the listeners to understand that. That's a 14-year-old young man. Mm. The heavier you are, the more calories you burn. The bigger you are, the more muscle mass, the more calories you burn. So put that into perspective. You've got, you've got people who listen to the show that love riding in the bush for three, four, five hours. And they go, yeah, but I'm just riding. You know, I'm not racing. Yeah. Watch the heart rate and look at the calorie burn. And I don't want this to sound cynical, but it's not like you go out and you only fill your gas tank up on your motorcycle once in a four-hour ride. Well, isn't it amazing how the body will adapt and do everything it can to survive when you don't feed it, but eventually it starts to bite us in the butt. Usually we start making a lot of mistakes, and then the risk of injury goes up. So, yeah. you know, nutrition as a whole has a much bigger, you know, application when we're trying to minimize injury and we're trying to minimize illness. Because if you get your immune system suppressed because of fatigue, then you're susceptible to sickness. And now you're sitting on sidelines for 10 or 14 days when all your body needed was those micronutrients that you referred to earlier. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So what are your, if we think of like from a sporting side, like sports supplement, like protein, electrolytes, those types of things, what are your sort of top, top few recommendations there for people to look at? Well, if you go to our website, you'll notice I have four new products that came out on the sports drink side, and we adjusted the, the carbohydrate based on the intensity, okay? So what we did was if you're doing something at a high intensity, we came up with a carbohydrate mixture with the help of Infinite Nutrition. What we did was we came up with a product where it would burn very quickly, and because the burn rate was so high, we put a lactic acid buffer in it. Then when we went into something a little bit lower intensity, three plus hours, we have what's called energy fuel plus. We actually put a little bit of protein in there to minimize muscle cannibalization and to satisfy appetite because protein and fat are the only two things. So to answer your question, the first thing I look at is electrolytes in your sports drink, as well as the carbohydrate, we call it the carbohydrate ratio. Yeah. Okay. So if you go and you look at our website and you look at our energy fuel, if you look at that carbohydrate mixture, you need to be looking at yours. You and I talked about this off the record. I don't know why in Australia, electrolytes are sold almost by everybody as like a powder. Mm. 
but it does not have carbohydrates. It doesn't have calories. You need a drink that has at least, uh, we look for th about 250 to 300 calories per hour. So if you do the math backwards, there's four grams of, excuse me, there's four calories to a gram of carbohydrates. So you divide four into 300. That's how many grams you need to be getting over a one hour period. Look at your sports drink and make sure it's in there. To answer your question, we look at the availability of carbohydrates. We look at the profile of electrolytes, the full spectrum of electrolytes, because sodium and potassium work together, calcium and magnesium work together. Look at your whole profile. That's during exercise. What we look at, but excuse me, after is that, and everybody's familiar with it, is looking at that carbohydrate to protein ratio. Some people argue it's two to three. Some want to say it's two to four. That's, you can go argue in the mirror all you want with that one, okay? There's, there's pros and cons to, to, to the, you know, there are different ratios. All I'm saying is if you're at least cognizant of it and you're going after it, just make sure that you've got a high quality amino acid when you're done. Make sure that you're getting enough calories to replenish what you just lost. You and I have a resource that we'll let all the listeners have, and that's our sweat rate calculator. Weigh yourself before you start riding or working out. Weigh yourself after you get done riding or working out. Make sure you stay in that 1% to 2% range. Because if you're dehydrated, you're going to be weaker. You're going to have less sprint speed, less endurance. You're going to start making more mistakes. Yeah. And then the other thing in the supplement side, depending on different challenges, first thing I look at is recovery, aminos. And then I look at things like, what are you doing to support the adrenals? High quality MCTs. We talked about it earlier, fish oil, krill oil. Um, I look at like we have a particular product that's actually called adrenal support. So it's got a lot of micronutrients that replenish the depletion of the adrenals. We know that there's, I don't know if this will be on this beyond the scope of today's podcast, but we have items that are trying to help the oxidative stress of high intensity training. Okay. And this is where I don't want people to get overwhelmed. I want you to think about as you roll your throttle on and you have progressively more exhaust coming out your pipe, as you bring your heart rate up, you're obviously breathing harder, heavier. You have a higher respiration rate. That's what we call oxidative stress. The higher your heart rate, the more oxidative stress. It's a byproduct of aerobic energy. I don't yep. want to be technical, but I want people to understand because you're going to have an aha moment here in 10 seconds. If you're producing high levels of oxidation, you're also producing a lot of free radicals. Those are what cause deep wrinkles. Your hair dries out, your skin dries out, you have brittle hair, you have low sex drive. I mean, there's just all kinds of negative ramifications of ox, you know, free radical destruction. Here's where the word antioxidant comes in associated with fruits and vegetables. People go, it's high in antioxidants. So people go, what the hell is an antioxidant, right? If you understand oxidative stress comes from breathing heavier and heavier and heavier, the more you respirate, the more oxidative stress you're producing. Yeah. So free radicals are an antioxidant, which is to offset the negative side effects of aerobic training, no matter at a low or at a high intensity. So another fringe benefit to fruits and vegetables, yeah, but definitely. I don't want the listeners to get confused when they hear the word antioxidant. They're like, what is it? Where do I get it from? And where did it stem from? Now you're an expert on oxidative stress. <laughs> so 
the idea is we have products that help offset the production of that. So if you know you're going to go to the track and you're going to really hammer some hard workouts or they come and visit with you in that one or two days a week where you're doing, okay, we're going to do a pyramid out of a one hour workout, you know, 11 or 12 minutes of that's going to be in the upper zone four. Hey, you know, that's coming. You might want to have a smoothie that's got products in it that can help you offset that byproduct. So that now we could talk about it for days on end. You know, when you look at those supplements, is there a place for boron? Yes. Is there a place for zinc and magnesium like ZMA? Yes, absolutely. This is where the blood work comes in. Yeah. Because if you don't have a deficit from it, that tells me you're getting enough from food and or you're not burning it too fast and or you're absorbing what you're eating. If any of your listeners are writing notes, think about it. You're only out of range if A, you don't eat enough, B, you burn it too fast, or C, you don't absorb what you eat. Well, if we bounce that against your training and we bounce that against blood results and you do it every 12 weeks, that's a very small window to go, wow, we're going the wrong direction. Not 12 months, 12 weeks. Because your and I's number one desire is for everybody stays in that sweet spot of health and wellness, and then we build performance on top of that. We never want to make a performance at the expense of health and wellness. I, I really hope the listeners don't get irritated with me. Your blood health is at its smallest level, the cellular level. If your cells are out of range, meaning they're deficient in B6, B12, iron, and zinc, well, that cell makes up tissue, that tissue makes up an organ, and that more organ makes up a series of systems. Well, why wait until the system is diseased to go, hey, look, I'm really, really in the hole on iron, zinc, B6, B12, whatever it may be. If you go and you get your uh, blood work done and your RBC, your red blood cell count, if it's low, you're now anemic. Well, you're sitting there getting frustrated because your energy levels are just in the tank. Yeah. Well, you could go get a basic fundamental blood result or blood panel drawn and see that your RBC, red blood cell count, is down. And your white WBC count is up. It's, that's a clear sign that you're So something's going on there. Just literally a picture that says, you know what? Here's my count. Here's my red count. And if they're staying in that sweet spot, and we know that their blood work is showing that they're staying in the sweet spot, there is no end to what your athlete's potential really, really is. And that's what we want to encourage everybody to understand is performance is endless as long as you're willing to analyze. Yeah. But as you and I talked about off the record, you know, I've been told that I'm too analytical. I'm cool with that. Yeah. Because if you don't know German, it's because you've never been taught German. And if I can help you avoid getting sick and run down by just looking at a few variables. Man, especially with these doggone phones nowadays, like with Garmin, you can sit there and you can see your sleep data, quality and quantity. Yeah. You do my fitness pal, it interacts with Garmin. You can see what you've burnt versus what you put in. And for you as a performance coach, hey, look, I was looking for a 60 minute ride today and you did an hour and 20. Why? Hey, I was looking for zone two and you went into zone four. Why? And then not, not, as a, not as a whipping tool, but to get them to understand residual fatigue from Monday to Sunday, from week one to week six in a training block, you kind of undermine your own efforts. 
Yeah. Not again, not as a, you're a bad guy or a bad girl. Understand the ramifications and how you kind of tip the scales as you and I always use as a teeter totter. You know, we can look at training volume, intensity, and frequency. What's the only thing that offsets that on a teeter totter food and sleep. So if I'm killing it, lots of volume, lots of intensity, lots of frequency, and I don't get enough food. Well, the stress of training is going to be too heavy and we become sick. If I'm balancing food and sleep with that, well, now we're in the sweet spot. Well, yeah. how are you going to know that? Where's that sweet spot? Yeah, it sits right here. I mean, it really is. What is it that you look at? <laughs> You're looking at their heart rate data. What are you looking at? Yeah, 100%. Results. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I get really excited about it because I, if somebody's listened to us this far, they're really into it. And they're going to reap huge benefits because they have the expertise of someone like yourself. This is your job while they're at work and with their family and they're doing the other things you're sitting there crunching the numbers. So you're giving them that cliff note version. This is what you need, how much of it and when go. Yeah. I mean, that's, 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 I call it mint in my world. You know? <laughs> I don't know if that's a yuppie word or not, but that's what I've always <laughs> referred to it as. <laughs> I think you're showing your age. Like, mint used to be a cool word, uh, the, the, the go-to word when I was about 18, I think. Hey, hey easy there. Now what is it, dope? <laughs> Everything's dope? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not cool enough to use dope. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I just heard Lance Armstrong do it on the uh, Tour de France recap. He's like, that was dope. And I'm like, oh, Lord, he's got more. He shouldn't use that word. Than I do. Yeah. <laughs> when I use the word dope, I look like a, I, I show my age because I – the word dope coming out of my mouth looks stupid. You know, yo, yo it's dope. <laughs> oh, um, there's, there's lots there I'd love to unpack, but I think one, one is super important that like your blood work, it's essentially like going and plugging your engine into a dyno at the shop when you have a problem with your bike or your car. Like it's the, the simplest way to know what's going on. Not necessarily what's going on, but like you say, if, if, if what you're doing is working, if, if the, that intensity and, and load and the balance of recovery is optimal, then we should see that reflected in the blood work. So it's, it's, it's a super important thing that, that I also recommend to my clients that they go and get done. That's awesome. Sure. It's a great analogy. Like you say, you have a dyno, you have a human dyno. So it's, that's yeah. a great analogy. Yeah. Um, and, and you touched on the magnesium and zinc there too. Like that's, if we think about that, that stress, the, the overall stress that's placed on the body that we, that we know we've touched on plenty of times before that it comes from everything, training, life, financial work relationships, the whole box and dice, but yeah. that impacts when that, the stress is elevated, it, that impacts massively on our electrolytes, our minerals, things like that. So we can become really depleted in, in those areas. So that's, I thought it was cool that you mentioned the, the magnesium and zinc. Again, that's something I recommend to all my clients. It's just a bit of a staple is, is to be taken. One of them, a good quality one, obviously. Absolutely. And people don't, you know, I know it sounds kind of fluffy for some of our male listeners, but, you know, taking a bath with Epsom salt, I mean, it's been proven over and over again, you know, just getting that, those little trace elements that make a significant, the, the, the hot water is going to relax that tissue. And then your body is literally absorbing what you're sitting in. I've yeah. never had anybody that's done an Epsom salt bath and said they feel worse. They always yeah. say they feel better, you know? Yeah. And uh, I personally don't like baths. I think they're creepy. You're kind of sitting in your own dirty water, but 
I'll do an Epsom salt bath, but then I take a shower. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I totally empathize with people who don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think like we could, we could probably do a whole podcast on, on fueling yourself for a three hour event or, or a long duration event. But you mentioned back at the start there that you've got the different blends of hydration fuel yes, and yeah. the long, the three hour plus one has got a little bit of protein or BCAA amino yep. in there. I think again, that's probably something that a lot of people don't realize is once they get glycogen depleted, which is going to be sort of around that 90 minute mark, say, that their body's got to get fuel from somewhere. So that's going to come from obviously what we're putting in our mouth from our hydration or our, our nutrition for the race. But it's all, we're also going to turn to a bit of fat and a bit of protein, which is our muscle. So it can be our muscle. So yeah, if we've worked our butt off to, to build muscle and, and build strength, the last thing we want to do every time we go out and do a long session is eat it away. That's right. And for the listeners, there's a real easy litmus test. When you're done riding and you urinate, smell the urine and see if it's dark yellow. Because if it's got a real pungent smell, that's the ammonia that's being released as you break down muscle tissue. So it'll have a very strong pungent smell to it. It will be dark in color. It's not going to be that rust color. It'll just be a, a tint to yellow. But you put those two together and it will definitely validate your point that you literally are cannibalizing muscle for fuel. And I want people to understand when you're out there for three plus hours, you kind of get that hollowed out feeling. It's because you're using a product that doesn't have any protein. Protein and fat are the only two things that satisfies appetite as a macronutrient. So we put three grams of amino acids into our plus product to minimize muscle cannibalization and satisfy hunger. But there's a caveat. There's an inverse relationship between the heart rate, how hard you're racing, and the food complexity that you're taking in. If you take intensity up, you've got to bring complexity down. Yeah. If you're doing a three plus hour race, you better have a big aerobic engine because you need to be at a lower heart rate because you're going to go a much longer duration, but your fuel needs to reflect the intensity and the duration. So yeah, you bring up a very, very good point in that regards is, you know, protein plays a significant role. Now, just so we don't confuse anybody, when your intensity goes up, you do not want to be packing protein into your gut because it will literally ferment because it's, it's a little bit more complex to break down than a carbohydrate. Fat and protein are a little bit more difficult to break down. The other side of the coin that I want the listeners to understand is you mentioned that your body has 60 to 90 minutes of stored glycogen. The body would always prefer to convert stored sugar to energy any day of the week compared to taking and breaking down what you ingest and convert it to energy. So this is why consistent eating every single day, you don't need to carbo load, just eat like you normally do because your glycogen levels are going to be topped off. But this is where we talked about earlier, having a nutrition strategy, two hours from when your event or race begins, that two hours, the last time you want to have complex food in. Yeah. That gives you time to digest, absorb, simulate, and store glycogen, and then just sip on your isotonic drink up to the start of the race. But you are starting with your glycogen reserves in your liver and your muscles. Liver feeds the brain. The muscles feed the activity. So if you use regular nutrition to top off your gas tank, you've got a buy of about 60 to 80 minutes before you need to start working on that ingestion of external calories. But then that's where the science of what is the complexity of the carbs, protein, and fat 
Mm. If you're going guts to the wall, you probably shouldn't have any protein or fat. It's getting progressively longer to lower heart rate. Notice my hands are changing here. The intensity comes down because the duration goes up. The food can get more complex. Yeah. So like you said, we can maybe next time we'll just plan on dedicating the entire time because like you say, it's like the more you educate, the more questions that come up and we love that. We're happy to do that. Yeah, 100%. I think we could most definitely do a whole podcast on that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And that's why I want people to understand when they come to you and they have questions, you've got resources that helps them break it down. Whether it's a sweat rate calculator, whether it's looking at food logs versus burn rates, you've got all of that. You don't need to try to figure it out. You've already got the science calculated. It just yeah. takes information. And for the 15th time today, it's all comes off the watch. Because you and I can speculate all day long, but we're not riding on the back of the bike. We're not putting our finger up on their neck, getting their pulse the yeah. whole time they're riding. The watch does it for us. Yeah. You know, they've come so far in such a short period of time. They have, yeah. Makes our job easier, that's for sure. Oh, it's it's amazing. And I had uh, one of my clients is actually a rocket scientist over here at NASA because I live in Florida and where the space shuttle goes up is about 60 miles away. And he said that the computing power of this iPhone has more computation power than the first space shuttle that went up to the moon and back. That's crazy. The CPU and the, and the data processing in our iPhones is more powerful than the first shuttle that went up. So when, I believe it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm guilty of this. I get pissed off like it's not moving fast enough. <laughs> I always stop and think it was enough to get the shuttle up and back. You need to slow down a little bit. So just keep that in the back of your mind. I hope that adds some humor to your day. <laughs> no, you're right. Like I've got this new laptop now, a new MacBook Air, and it's legitimately like it's as thick as this notepad when it's yeah, closed. Crazy. And it's like this thing, the stuff you can do on this thing is amazing and it's tiny. It's the yeah. size of a book. But I hope people realize no. that with knowledge, it makes your job easier. You know, that's why I always say to my clients, that's what I call plug and perform. They get their schedule every Friday. You open it up, it outlines Monday through Sunday of next week, what to do, how hard to do it and for how long. Include, you know, a hyperlink on foam roll this particular muscle, eat this specific food before and after. Because I know what you've burnt. I know what muscles you've loaded up. I don't want you to just go foam roll and foam roll the wrong uh, body part. I want you to do it the right way. So that's what your job is, you know. So you uh, you definitely can speed up the, the acceleration of performance, health, and wellness. You know, anybody who's listening that just wants to lose a couple kilos, you know how to do it the right way where it's sustainable and it's healthy. So yeah. I hope the, hope the listeners take that seriously. I just love being on your show and, you know, you've got a great group of listeners. We get good feedback. You provide me, you know, comments that come in and, and I'm, I'm forever thankful for that. I'm glad people, I'm glad we resonate with people, you know, because we're not everybody's cup of tea for sure. No, that's right. But there's more, I think more and more people out there that are taking an interest in their, in their training because it, yeah. like it's, it's, well, it's like the evolution of everything really. Like, I was talking to someone about that the other day. I remember at the when I was 18 at the Vic Off Roads, which was four, uh, 22 years ago. Um, <laughs> the, the guy Frank Frank Bonfadini, which if anyone's listening to this, who's an off road, an old off road racer in Victoria or Australia, where we remember he was like the Australian champ um, mm. and the Victorian enduro champ, and I guess probably one of my idols I looked up to as a kid. He would be standing on the podium with a can of Jim Beam whiskey oh, uh, and, a cigarette, and a cigarette and a cigarette 
<laughs> no, word, no word of a lie. This yeah. was in like 1997, 1998. And obviously that's a long time ago now. And the, the sports evolved massively, which is, which is a great thing. But if you, if you want to be up the pointy end of the field these days, like you're going to have to invest some time in knowing about your nutrition, knowing about how to train your body properly, or you just, you're simply not going to be, you, you'll be left for dead. That's for sure. Absolutely. No, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, look at the Tour de France. They used to snort cocaine and do cigarettes. <laughs> I mean, they had pictures of the guys smoking the cigarettes on the bike because of the stimulants associated with caffeine and nicotine. Nicotine, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, cocaine use in the Tour de France was, was big, you know, so because the they didn't know what they did. They don't know what they didn't know. It was just a stimulant and they, they're getting really tired and they're looking for something. So the Jim Bean and the cigarette makes plenty of sense if you ride moto or excuse me, if you ride off road. <laughs> oh, it's good stuff, which by the way, we don't advocate. No. <laughs> That's not in our nutrition profile. No, we prefer to stay away from that. <laughs> oh, it's good stuff. So I, I appreciate you coming on, man, but tell us about, I saw you posted up the other day. You're working on a pretty cool thing with Todd Waters in Australia. Yeah. The yeah. current motocross champion. Yeah. Tell us a little we're, bit about uh, that. Yeah, we're very fortunate. Todd and I have been talking ever since the Gypsy Tales podcast with Jace. Um, you know, he even talked about it in a podcast where he was fortunate enough to test at Red Bull, but never was really taught anything about nutrition or psychology or you know, the nuances of performance. He just was pretty much told what to do and don't ask questions, just just do it. Um, so we've been brainstorming on what we can do together. And um, what we decided is he's going to be out and touring and he's going to be doing his riding camps. And so what we're going to do is we're going to be offering some digital products, whether you want a nutrition for performance or whether you want a nutrition for weight loss. Um, we have a plethora of digital products that we're going to be offering as an added value. We just want to say thanks for supporting Todd. Uh, Todd has a very, he's very passionate about athletes getting access to information that he wasn't allowed to have. Um, I know that sounds a little bit awkward, but he was pretty much just told what to do at Red Bull, not really explained, the, as you said earlier, the why behind it. So he and I had been brainstorming about how do we educate the nippers, the nippers' parents, um, people who are trying to just get better, they have to work a full-time job, may or may not have a family. And so that's kind of the genesis that we put together here. When the uh, travel barrier is lifted, we do plan on doing some camps together. We still have our 20 plus camps that were originally slated that we still want to implement. And they're all over the country. Um, your country is extremely big. So we're literally talking about being there for four to five months the next time we come over. Um, so that's what we're doing with Todd right now is, you know, just trying to supplement He's very, very big on making sure that when he leaves, the athletes can take what he's taught them and then add the strength and the flexibility for cornering, understanding stabilizing blood sugar for being able to finish a 20-minute, three-hour, whatever the race may be. So that's, that was the genesis behind it. We're super pumped to be with him. I, I love his passion. You know, he, he reminds me a lot of yourself. He clamors for knowledge, but he really wants to give it forward. And so... We've, uh, we've decided to partner up. We actually just inked a deal with the Dome. You guys have an, in, an indoor Dome, and we're going to become the human performance company for that as well. So people that become part of the performance program and, and, and different things there, that program will be available as well. We're going to be tying Todd in with that when it's applicable on logistics. So 
a lot going on in Australia, but uh, we're very excited to be part of both the Dome and with Todd Waters going in. It's hard to imagine. We're almost into 2020, uh, 2021 straight up. I mean, it seemed to be like forever ago, and now we're right on it. <laughs> it's coming up. Yeah, well, fingers crossed you'll be able to get over here real soon. Yeah, well, we're, we're really excited about it. In the meantime, we're just doing some camps over here. Um, we're kind of closing up our summer, getting ready to go into – you know, our spring, if you will. Um, so yeah, we're, we're looking forward to it, but more importantly, I'm looking forward to getting back. Um, we're going to actually be launching a Moto E elite team, both on the motocross side, as well as off-road in Australia. You guys will be seeing some announcements with that. So you'll start seeing some Moto E lids running around, some Moto E graphics kits. Um, we just really want to start giving back to the athletes that are over there and uh, make sure that they've got what they need uh, we're very fortunate, you know, working with uh, with Todd and his Husky relationship, hopefully getting to work with some of his younger riders, working with, working with Jade's Oaks with the, the Omaha riders. And then I know he's not Australian, but working with Ben Townley and some of his riders in New Zealand as well. So, you know, it's a very important part of our program is that Australian market and making sure that we can give forward, you know, the same model that we do here, we're doing over there. So, we'll we'll make some more public announcements including yourself and the elite team uh in the near future yeah i love the sound of it man it's exciting it's all starting to come together yeah it really is but uh i just want to thank you for being on the show i want to thank all the listeners um we get good numbers each time you do the show and I'm, i'm forever thankful that they're willing to to listen to us and you know i hope people are comfortable email myself email you email you through me email me to get to ben and uh happy to help in any way possible all the listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Big shout out to the listeners. They make it, make it all possible. So yeah, any, any other questions that they've got, shoot them through and we'll get them on a podcast for them for sure. Absolutely. Well, I know we always tease that we'll make the cadence a little bit earlier than that, but in all in hundred percent transparency to the listeners, it's my fault. It's not Ben's um, not making excuses. Just uh, we're, we're doing our, we're going to make this a little bit more consistent going forward now that we've gotten a few things in place here and uh, Again, thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting uh, Ben. Appreciate you being on, man. Thank you again. You bet, brother. Peace. Bye-bye.